questions was um, what it means to remain in Jesus and things that we can do in our lives here in 2021 to remain in Jesus, to spend time with him, to connect with him, to have the opportunity to have a personal, intimate relationship with him, and how we aren't seeking to produce fruit or good things to be connected with Jesus. We are connected with Jesus, and that allows us an outflow naturally to be able to do good things and to love people and to show God's love. And so um, it was just a really good reminder for me, and I hope for, for the girls who came um, that we get to connect with God and we get to love people and we get to bear good fruit because of the intimate relationship that he allows us to engage in him. So anyways, just wanted to share that with you guys. We're going to continue worshiping, but let's pray really fast. I'm God, I just want to thank you for today and for the chance to come together to worship you. I'm going to just ask that you show up and that your presence is here and that you are worshipped and honored um, and that we can just take the next few minutes to focus on you and that you would help us this week to remember that we can remain in you and we can spend time with you and we can get to know who you are more. And I just pray that as we do that, you then help us to see opportunities to show your love to others. So God, I love you and trust you. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. As we get ready to sing, we'd like to welcome our online viewers to hearing us. Uh, We are apologizing for that, but we do hope that you can worship with us now as we sing about Jesus together.
song to be a reminder that that God we're we're here together we're we're joined online and, and it's so easy to say that that we're bringing our fears to you and and it's easy to say that you're our Lord and Savior and and we don't need to worry God but but every day we're inundated with with social media, we're, we're inundated with news, we're inundated with other people in our lives that, that get us worried, that, that provide opportunities for us to experience fear, God. And I just ask that, that you use that song, that, that those lyrics, God, they're, they're played in our head, that we feel them in our heart. Because we know your promises are true. Not that everything's going to be great. Not that, that when we decide you're our Lord and Savior, that all of a sudden our life becomes easy. God, but you're with us. You're beside us. We ask for that reminder this morning, God, as, as we tell you how awesome you are, how amazing you are, and how thankful we are for your son. Nothing compares to this. 
Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we acknowledge today the celebration of that name which is above all names, the name of Jesus. The name before every day, everyone one day will bow before him and proclaim that he is Lord. Father, we thank you for the chance to come together and celebrate King Jesus. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be your children. And Father, I, I pray that this time would be a time where your spirit shows up at every seat, whether in the room or online, that you would transform us, make us new. And I pray that this, this time would honor you in every detail. And it's in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Please be seated. So we've been going through 1 Peter. And just to remind you again, Peter is probably in Rome. Uh, he is writing to the churches in Western Europe and Eastern Middle East, churches that he is connected with historically. Uh, he's writing to them to encourage them because persecution has started. Uh, it is not near as bad as it's going to be, and he knows that, uh, but it has begun, and he's trying to encourage them to remain faithful and ultimately to be holy, which is really what the book is all about what the letter's all about. And so in this holiness then, uh, we talked about the first time how we should be holy based on where we're headed, based on eternity, based on the, the promise and the hope of the new heaven and the new earth. The second week we talked about how we should submit ourselves to authorities and, and how that brings honor to, to King Jesus when we do that. Last week, we talked about marriage, and we talked about um, how we, in our marriages, can bring holiness, or if we don't do it correctly, we can turn off the, the connection between us and God, if you will. And then today, we're going to move into a new area, and it really has to do with the local community of faith. It has to do with us as, as followers of Jesus here in a group. And, and so Peter begins to talk about how different the world is and what that's going to mean for us and how we should respond. And it's, it's interesting to see how he says that. So we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. We're going to focus on 7 through 11. But I think if we read the, the first part, it really kind of gives us some, uh, some clarity about what Peter's thinking, if you will. So, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, if you're in the room using the Pew Bible, it's page 1223. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you, but they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead." For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, 
but live according to God in regard to the Spirit. Verse 7, the, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. All right, I just want to go through verses 7 through 11, and um, there's some stuff I think that's very important for us in the world that we live, and, and keep in mind a couple of things that Peter has told them about persecution and how they're different from the world, right? He's told them this is how the world lives, and we don't live that way, and because of that, it brings on additional persecution, if you will, um, or confrontation, at least verbally. Okay, so verse 7, he starts with the end of all things is near. Now, the word near um, can mean approaching, right? And so the thing is, what, what Peter is referring to is what we talked about in chapter 1. He's going back and saying, the end is going to come, and there is something better that's awaiting us, and it is that new heaven, new earth that keeps us in hope, that keeps us determined to keep being what God has called us to be. And so, so he says, it, it's coming. And so I, I think there is an idea in what Peter's saying that, that be certain that it will come. And as things get difficult and heartache happens and, and the frustration comes and the, and the world looks down on you, don't forget where you're headed. Don't forget. That's where our hope is. Remember in chapter 1 we talked about a, a place where every tear will be wiped from your eye. No more mourning, death, or crying, or pain. The, 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 the thing to look forward to that brings us great hope when life is uncertain. He goes on then. He says, therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Alert means to think and live wisely in self-control over one's passions and desires. To be alert means to have control over your passions and your lusts and those things that drive you to do the things that you're not supposed to do. Have a clear mind, right? And that's really what he says in the next one. Be alert, protect yourself from, from yourself, as it were, and then be a sober mind. A sober means to not let your emotions and desires take over, to be clear-headed, right? So, so he says, keep a clear mind focused on what is right, and then don't let your emotions and your desires take over because we represent Christ and because of the hope that we have and what is ahead. But notice what he says, so that you may pray. Remember when we talked about the husbands last time, we talked about when they don't treat their wives correctly, then the prayer line gets disconnected. And Peter's saying the same thing here. As you live your life, stay clear and focused so that your prayer connection can stay connected, right? Because too many times we allow things to come into our lives to cause disconnection. All right, so then he gets into a couple of things that I really want to focus on about the church. And he says this in verse 8, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
And it's interesting that Peter says, in the midst of all the troubles and all the things that the world is doing that you disagree with, all the things that are happening, the thing you need to do above all else is love each other. You need to love each other. And I read that, I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Because it seems like I can think of a lot of other things we should be doing. But they said, no, above all, above everything else, love each other. All right, now, let me make it clear. When I talk about the church, I'm not talking about this building. This is just brick and mortar. I'm talking about us as a fellowship of believers. And Peter says, above all, you need to love each other. Right? In fact, he gives descriptors for it. He says, above all, love each other deeply. The word deeply means, um, let me find it, to have a persistent effort of caring for each other. A persistent effort of caring for each other. So you love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, just for you language people, the word in Greek for multitude is plethos, from where we get our word plethora right? So dazzle your friends today with that if you want to, all right? So, but, but what he says is, is when you really love, when you have agape love, when you have God's love towards people, it gives you that incredible ability to look past their failures, to look past their mistakes. See, he had just said in the previous paragraphs about how they used to be and what they used to be like, and sometimes those of us who follow Christ, we see someone's former lifestyle and say, hmm, Peter says, no, when you really love, you learn to look past those things. Because agape love requires that of you. And when God's love is flowing through you, you learn to love the unlovable. You see, I think one of the dangers we have in church today is we sometimes sell a package of things that's not really who we are. Right? It's like Thursday night, we went and bought and a grocery store pizza to warm up in the oven. Now, the one we picked, it was, we picked it because of size, but it was connected to a specific diet. And man, the box really sold it. You have all the wonderful taste of pizza with all of the good stuff that goes along with that, but not any of the bad stuff. It's like, okay, a pizza, that's good for you. So we go home and we cook it and we're waiting and the buzzer goes off. We check it, wasn't quite ready, put it in for five more minutes. We get it out. And you know me, I have a love affair with food. And anytime food's about to be, I'm, yes. So we cut the pizza up. We put pizza on our plate. We sit down. We take a bite. It's like, well, it's different. But we convinced ourselves it's okay. So we we kept eating, and we kept eating, and finally I said, babe, this is the worst pizza I've ever put in my mouth. I don't don't know who gets on this diet, and I don't know why they get on this diet, but this is awful. And I got up and went to get another piece because, let me tell you why, because I love leftovers, and I didn't want there to be any leftovers of this. This was going to ruin the whole leftover thing. In fact, it was so bad, we didn't even have leftovers and we didn't finish it. So 
being who we are and the journey we've had, throwing food away is not something we do, but we threw part of this pizza away. It was that horrible. And then after eating, I looked at the box again, and I was like, this box gave us all kinds of promises that it didn't keep. It said it's just as good as regular pizza, and it's not. In fact, it's not even close. I don't know where these people came up with this idea, but this was not pizza. This was ick. Okay? Hear what I'm saying. Churches everywhere proclaim to the world they are places of love. And you know, it's funny, I have students, and one of their assignments is to attend services that are different from their own religion. I have atheists and agnostic students all the time who go to Christian services all over the city of Jacksonville. And they write papers, and they turn them in, and they get so aggravated about something that happened, and they, and they say verbatim, I thought Christianity was about love. Now, sometimes they just don't like the message of truth, but most of the time it's like they mistreat people. I begin to think about that. And, you know, so many times we package ourselves as places of love, but are we really? So first of all, let me commend you. For 19 years, I've seen a place of love. I've worked in other churches who said they were places of love, but they really weren't, right? But this place really, it's been amazing over 19 years. I have seen groups of men put roofs on houses of people who couldn't afford it to do themselves, of church members. I've seen men come together and build ramps for wheelchairs on houses for people that couldn't afford it themselves. I've seen groups of people come together and see someone who needs to have a surgery desperately but cannot afford it, come together and pull their finances to make sure that surgery happens. I've seen groups of people come together when someone has lost their job and they don't know what's going to happen and they will bring them food and they will care for them as best they can. 19 years just over and over and over and over again. I commend you. Don't ever lose that. Don't ever lose that. Because we can agree the world's gone crazy. And I think we need to understand when you look at the Roman Empire and who Peter, where Peter was, that it was just as crazy then. I know that's hard to believe, but it was. What we call sin was out in the open and celebrated, just like today. And the things that they did and the things that they believed, they had gone further, though, as far as attacking the Christian faith but it was bad. And Peter said in the, in the midst of that, be about love. Love each other. And this wasn't a new idea to Peter. He heard Jesus say it. On the night he was betrayed, you know, they had the last supper together and Jesus got up and he washed all of their feet. And you remember what he said? What I've done for you, you need to do to each other. This new command I give to you, love each other, Because people will know you're my disciples by your love. And if there's ever been a time that the world needs to see a place and a group of people where they can come and be loved, this is it. And Peter knew. 
that real love was something the world couldn't offer. And the followers of Jesus are constantly berating each other and attacking each other. And I mean, you can go online today on YouTube and find a thousand videos of pastors and other Christians attacking Christians. Like, what are you doing? They'll know we're his disciples by our love. And that needs to be a priority. Peter knew that. We know that. And we need to always keep it a priority to love. Now, let me clarify. That doesn't mean we don't love people outside the building. I've made that clear for 19 years. It doesn't mean we don't love people outside of the group of faith. We do, and we show love to the world. But we must love each other. And it must be a priority. So what does that mean? Man, find people to, to love that need your help. You know, maybe they just need a phone call. Maybe they just need a card. Maybe they need a meal. Whatever it is, keep finding those things to invest in people who are part of this community of faith. Because they shouldn't have to go anyplace else to find love. Okay? Well, the second thing Peter does is he goes on then, and he says something we've talked about before many times, but I think it's always a good reminder. Verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. One of the things that we always talk about, and the scripture is very clear about, when you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit moves into your life. And when the Holy Spirit moves into your life, you are given at least one spiritual gift, one supernatural ability that comes from God. It's not one you get to choose. It's not one you get to pick. It's one that he gives to you. And I think it's very, very important for you to see and understand there is no one in the seven and a half billion people on the planet that's like you. No one. There's no one with your personality and your passions and your gifting and your spiritual gifting and your talents. There's no one like you. And as a follower of Jesus, when God looked at you, he decided, here's the spiritual gift you need. Here's the one I want you to have, at least one. Maybe you have multiple. And what Peter says is when God gifts you, you need to use that gift for the good of the whole. Because here's the thing. Too many times in churches, we have people serve in places that they're not gifted to serve, and it becomes a mess. Have you ever sat in a class of someone who can't teach? While they try to teach, it's miserable for everybody. But they said yes because nobody else would do it or whatever reason it was or everybody just thought they could do it and it's a horrible thing. And you can go on and you can, you can talk about service, you can talk about hospitality, you can talk about all the different gifts, but God has created you to be you. And he has made you just like you are for a reason. Because you bring something to the team that nobody else on the planet could bring. And so Peter says to find your gifts, to use those gifts for the building up of the edification of everyone. Because the team needs to reach its full potential. 
and you're a part of that. I'm going to say something that I never, ever, ever wanted to say, and it still hurts me that I have to say it. Tom Brady's the best quarterback to ever play football. It just breaks my heart that I have to say that. I still have something in the back of my mind about deflated footballs that bothers me, but I have to come to the conclusion that he's the best quarterback to ever play the game. I don't like it. Sometimes it irritates me to no end, but it's the truth. But not only is that true, it pains me to say not only is he the best quarterback to ever play, he's one of the best athletes to ever compete in sport. You now have conversations with him about comparing him to Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods and all of their accomplishments. It's like what he's done is that phenomenal. It really is. And for you sports folks that aren't people that aren't sports folks, I'm sorry. Just bear with me. There's a good point coming, I promise. So Brady has done things that have elevated him to a status that is unbelievable. If you're a, if you're a football history nut, I mean, he's up there with Jim Thorpe slinging Sammy Baugh. Jim Brown, I mean, that, he really is. Big names. And again, it irritates me to no end, but it's truth. It's just the best there's ever been. But here's something I want to tell you. If Tom Brady went to the NFL and tried to be an offensive lineman, you would have never heard of him. Unless he ended up in the hospital in the first practice, you have never heard his name. Because he's not built to be an offensive lineman. He's not strong enough to be an offensive lineman. He probably can't run fast enough to be an offensive lineman. He's just not, not who he is. But had he come into the league and said, you know, I don't want to play quarterback. I want to play right guard. He wouldn't have lasted. So he, he saw who he was. He saw his gifts. He saw his abilities. And he invested in those. And he became the best ever. And, and there's more to it than that. There, there's obviously a heart and a drive in someone like him that is different than most people. But he knew what his strengths were. And so here's what I want you to hear me say. You bring something to the table that is incredibly unique. You bring a personality. You bring a passion. You bring a giftedness that is different than everybody else. And the community of faith cannot reach its full potential unless you're reaching your full potential in your faith and using your gift. So you ask what the spiritual gifts are. Peter goes on and he says the most terrifying words in all of Scripture to me. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. <laughs> That's intimidating. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. And so he talks about two of the gifts, but there are so many more. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, Paul has a big long list of them. From teaching and wisdom to prophecy to tongues to healing, on and on and on and on it goes. Encouragement, etc. And so part of the process is you finding out what your gifts are. I understand that. And um, if you are interested in doing that, I need you to let me know. Is we'll find a way to do a, a course that we teach around here to teach you your spiritual gifts and your place of service. 
But we need to understand, and Peter knew this, that when the world is going anti-Christian, as it was in his day, the community of faith needs each other to build each other up. And that's how Paul said it. You use your gifts to edify each other. Peter said it this way. He says, if anyone serves, they should serve with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And the key in all of this is that the church as a community of faith would praise God, would bring honor and glory to God the Father through Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. That's who we're supposed to be. And so I want to challenge you. So many times in church, we've made it about the guy on stage, or the people on stage, or the people who are teaching. Do you realize how many people it takes to pull off a Sunday morning behind the scenes? It's crazy. So it's so incredibly important that you know what God has gifted you to do, and you use it for the building up of the whole. If you go back to the verses that we read first and didn't go over, the importance of team is going to go up and up and up for the community of faith. We're not going to have time to fight each other. We've got to focus on the real enemy. And for the team to reach its full potential, you need to know your part and who you are and how God has gifted you. And then we can stand strong and we can be a place of love where people are drawn to the kingdom because we're bringing love into a world without it. So do your part, find your place, jump in. And as we begin to transition, hopefully in the next few months out of the COVID reality, we're going to need a lot of people to step up. You find your place and your part so that we can be everything God intended us to be. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your love. I thank you that you looked at every one of us who are your followers and said, I want this person to have this gift or these gifts. And I want them to use that for the, the building up of the whole. And Father, I, I want to pray for two groups of people. For, for those who already know their gifts but aren't using them, I pray that they would jump in. I pray that you would give them the drive and the courage to say yes and to find their place of service. And for those who are your followers that don't know their gifts, Lord, I pray that they would have the courage to step forward and say, yes, I, I want to know. I want to know how God made me and how he designed me. And I want to use the gifts he's given me for his glory. And Father, I, I pray that we would continue to be a place of love. To be a place where the the hurting find comfort where those in financial despair find help where those who just 
needs someone to talk to, would know this is a group of people that will always do that. So Lord, teach us to love. Help us to be known for our love. Now, Lord, I I pray for this time. I pray if there's anyone here in the room or watching that does not know you, that today you would draw them to yourself. And, And today would be a day of salvation for them. Bless this time. Use it for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The story of Jesus is your story. It's the story of God's eternal love for you. A love that saw the reality that you were separated from him by sin and there was nothing you could do to fix it. So he decided to intervene on your behalf. And he sent Jesus as an exact representation of himself who lived a perfect life, became the ultimate final sacrifice who did for us what we could never do for ourselves, provided a way to be right with God. And the way we do that is very simply, we acknowledge the fact that we need God's help. We admit that we are sinful people and we need a savior. And we ask, King Jesus, come live in me. And the Spirit of Christ begins a transformation that is phenomenal. If you're here today and you've never made that decision to follow Christ, we want to invite you to make it today. In just a minute as we sing, if you're in the room, come to the Welcome Center. Let's talk about faith and what it means. If you're online, you can text us, you can email us, contact us by phone. We'll respond to you. But if you know that God is calling you to himself today, Say yes to him. Maybe you're here and you're already a follower of Jesus and God has put on your heart that you need to be part of this community of faith. Invite you when we're done. If you're in the room to come by the Welcome Center, let's talk about that and what that means. If you're online, same thing. You can text us, contact us by email. Maybe today you're here and you've been confronted with the reality that you've been sitting on the sidelines. time to get off the bench. We need everybody to play to their full potential. You respond today as God leads as we stand and sing together.
Thank you, Murray Hill. We'll see you next week. <laughs>